Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another Wednesday briefing. Today is December 7th, getting into the Christmas season. I hope everybody's already gotten all their Christmas present bought so they don't have to be stressing about it. Um, or made. Or made, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that is a nice thing, actually, amongst our communities. It is nice to see people making handmade gifts and spoons and, and kind of things out of wood and things for, for presents. It's always more meaningful that way, I think. The uh, the uh, Christmas present of the year here in Sweden is a uh, like home knitted sweater, home knitted. Um, of course, socks, socks. Of course, of course. Yeah, so every, every every year, every year they sort of make this like uh, what is going to be the the most common or the most prized or whatever you call right. it. Um, Christmas present. And each year it's something different, and this year is the. Homemade knitted stuff. That's cool. I mean, I have noticed a trend in the last few years. The gift, the gifts that people are buying for them for each other, uh, they're kind of actually kind of like DIY kits and stuff. Do you know the the company Molly Jogger? I think they're an American company. Um, no, they do a really cool little kit that you can buy. That is like, um, it's it's like you get this like little bone handled pocket knife and it comes with like a little engraving set and a little set of stencils so you can pick your own kind of design that you want to engrave into your bone handle and then you get the little kind of whatever the the duster ink that you put into the grooves to make it stand out and things and it's this whole little kit Mm -hmm. about like engraving your own little bone pocket knife and it's such a cool little uh little mechanical gift but i've seen a lot of a lot of things like that kind of popping up on the Maybe the more trendy um, sort of outdoor uh, brands and companies. Yeah, um, it's actually kind of leads nicely into into our uh, conversation today, actually, which we will get into. Take a little hiatus on the podcast for a while. Um, maybe we'll be back in the spring or the summertime with this main show. Um, and the main reason, honestly, is that, uh, it's just extremely labor intensive and time intensive right now for both of us and um, myself, especially with the other stuff that goes on around it, such as like, you know, the editing and the, and the marketing and all that stuff. And it's actually taking up an extremely large chunk of my time, um, and it's quite difficult uh, because I'm self-employed. Um, my my time is kind of like is reliant on being productive with the work I have. Um, and right now, the podcast actually is is just taking up a little bit too much of my time. Um, but I will say that the Patreon will continue uh, because both Yermias and I feel like that is a nice place to deliver um, content. So we will continue to do the weekly episode or sorry, the weekly um, kind of recommendations and articles, the bonus episodes and the sort of the deep dive knowledge hub episodes that we've been uh, working on. In fact, uh, part two of the act series will be out next week on there. So um, so if you want to stay, stay with us and kind of continue the journey with us, then you can, of course, come and join us on Patreon. We really appreciate that. But for now, um, the free content and the free episodes that come up every week and the, and the, and the interviews, um, we're going to take a little bit of a break from those um, for a while. We may be back in the spring or summer, 
not sure. Um, but Jeremias, I know even for yourself, this is a very extremely busy time of the year for you, right? Yeah, it's picking up properly now when we're starting to have a little bit more snow with um, training all the dogs, doing tours, and everything else that's going on during winter. Yeah, and and we worked on this podcast together last year, and I remember it was a little bit difficult for both of us to try and find time. And even when we could get the time, I mean, as I can imagine with you, the the, 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 the sort of the, um, the personal interactions with guests and things like that's quite draining on the mind. And the last thing you want to be doing is coming in and having a two hour intensive interview with like, you know, someone uh, that's I can I cannot. I mean, it can it can be very relieving. It can be very relieving to do that sort of shift your mind completely. Right. right. The hardest part is to actually being able to plan because you don't know if it's going to snow a lot and you need to take care of trails um, and snow plowing and everything else needs to be done when winter and the weather decides that it needs to be done. So it's hard to plan anything in that way. Uh, so it's, yeah, that, that's, that's what the hardest part yeah, is. No, I can understand. But like I said, guys, um, super appreciative of the, the engagement and the followers and, and everything up to this point the continued support for the for the podcast has been amazing and really enjoy doing this and it's not i'm not stopping the show completely as i said because i love to do it i love to talk to people and have interviews and flexes the mind and all that kind of thing but at the moment just the reality of time and the time it takes is just too much. And also, I think the Patreon content, frankly, is suffering because I'm trying to concentrate on both. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to concentrate on the Patreon um, for the next whatever amount of months. Stuff will keep going up there and probably more specialized stuff than I have been able to do. So, yeah, get over there if you're interested. And if not, then uh, you can go back and listen to the old episodes or, um, yeah, hang tight until the spring and summertime but uh thanks for everybody's support up to this point and we will be back i'm sure um so what are we talking about today Jeremy? gear repairs and the possibilities to do it on modern things versus more old school things i guess you sent me an uh, an article that sort of tip tipped this off a little bit um and the article will, will share the link down um in the info sections in the description and it sort of it highlights a thing that is a lot bigger than just two bikes in general it the, the title of the article is are modern bicycles the end of diy maintenance and it goes into sort of talking about the depth and and, and issues with modern bikes and old bikes and things like that but we we thought of it it from a broader perspective, just in general, of, of being in the outdoors. Yeah, yeah, because I think uh, as bushcraft enthusiasts and outdoor people, we do tend to be quite um, analog kind of focused. We do like to, the nitty gritty. We like tinkering with things, whether it's modifying backpacks or regrinding your knife. You know, we like to kind of understand the, the, the mechanical nature of our of our kit and i think it's the same for like almost every industry you know you hear this from people who are into cars and the car electronics and and are the engines you know they've become so complicated that you either need to 
have some find an extremely like specialized uh, garage to fix that particular problem or you know as you said Jeremias as well like of course there are advantages to having uh, diagnostic systems, electronic diagnostic systems, and things like that. But the, I suppose the conversation we talked made, a little bit about this before. Yes, for right. context. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. But I think the, the 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 essence or the nature of the fact that you can't just pop the pop the hood anymore and just find the mechanical issue. Everything is covered with plastic material, and it's all like kind of hidden behind things. And with with bicycles, it's internal cabling, so all the all the wires and cables are going through the body of the bike. So it's impossible for people to just get out their basic toolkit anymore and just fix things. And I feel like you know the question is like, are we losing that autonomy and that accessibility to our own kit and the independence? of being able to fix something on the side of a road or up a mountain if your tent, if your sill nylon tent, like the DAC poles, you know, aren't, you know, functioning properly or, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. Like I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about a few, a few, a few, a uh, few examples, but. What I start to think about when I read this article is like you have enthusiasts in all hobbies if you if we use cars as an example you have people that dislike modern cars because they can't tinker with them or you have people uh, that have all this sort of uh, diagnostics tools and things like that but that so they can't tinker with even modern cars to to that extent but my thought when i read this article was more should you know technological advancements when it comes to for example cars and bikes and things like that should we always expect to be able to do the same things all the time if that makes sense so just as a car enthusiast will choose an older car an older model because they know how to fix it and they know how to tinker with it and they know what's up are we in the outdoors excluded from that because we want to have the latest and the greatest all the time right if that makes sense right exactly like do we yeah do, no, can absolutely. we can we demand to have you know uh, the latest technology and everything the lightest in everything but also being able to always feel like we can fix it ourselves or do we need to also uh, get the modern tools so to say to fix the modern problems on a modern bike if we want to fix it ourselves. Right, exactly. And that's that's the kind of the crux of it, isn't it? It's that like, so actually I have, it's, it's a small quote from the article here and I think that kind of sums up exactly what you're saying there. So, I mean, the article begins with the writer who, actually I will add, he used to actually be a bike shop mechanic himself. So it's not like this person is talking from a place of inexperience, but he was trying to change the his an old drivetrain out of his bike and replacing it with one that he had on another bike people that aren't familiar with what a drivetrain is it's essentially like the bit that make you know it's like the the chain and the and the the crank set and the the kind of the the things on the back that basically change gears so that's like the whole thing is called the drivetrain um but so the quote was like getting the dura ace parts from the factor to the trek uh, would not be a simple task it would involve buying at least 200 dollars in tools brushing off some rusty skills on hydraulic brake bleeds 
and I needed to learn how or even whether the DI2 drivetrain electronic shift wire could be installed on the checkpoint, which isn't configured for full internal routing. The answer was obvious. Unless I wanted to make a substantial commitment to time and money, I would probably need a professional mechanic to do at least some of the work. So, I mean, I was thinking off on the other side of this, I was thinking about like your ski making course that you did last month here, Mias. I'm not a skier and my experience on, on them is probably I've got collectively about a week's worth of, of practice probably. So I don't really know anything about the ski world. But what I would probably hedge my bets on is that like every other, other industry, it's material choices and it's like me- mechanical elements and it's sort of the the yeah the world within which that skiing is sort of sits in is is probably also making advancements in in things and innovating and modifying materials that are lighter that can be so advanced that if you broke a ski on the side of a mountain you probably couldn't fix it yourself but then the 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 intimate process that you went through of like hand making a set of skis it's a, it's a really simple and in a lot of ways a very primitive tool essentially um so where does the where's the balance there like between wanting like super light you know efficient new materials versus probably much heavier clunkier stuff and the old stuff but essentially stuff that you could fix yourself if you needed to i yeah i mean i think that's something that we um were already faced in like some so it's it's decisions that we have to make and how much we want to rely on the things that we have for the ski is 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 a good example of something that can go very very far in technological advancement and they're not even there yet and i don't even see how it would be different uh if a ski breaks a ski breaks and if you're halfway up the mountain you cannot do anything like you're not gonna sit down and fashion a new ski that's when maybe your bushcraft knowledge no or shoes. knowledge of making yeah. a pair of yeah. um uh, Roy Croft ski shoes come in hand, but you're not going to make a new ski for that. Um, so that that that's a, that's a it's it's a good example of that this sort of mindset does not apply everywhere. Coming to like looking at a bike, looking at like is it possible to repair the jacket that you have, the material? Do you have glue? What type of material is is it? Is it possible to actually carry some stuff that will make it possible to repair it in a way that is sustainable for you when you're out there or is the just for argument's sake i I know that this might be a little bit over the top and silly a space age jacket that the material is so thin and flimsy that it's hard to properly glue it as an extreme example, might not necessarily happen, but that's where you sort of have to, I guess, sit down and evaluate yourself. What things do I think is the most important in this piece of equipment? Is it uh, durability? And that's, of course, also a um, something that's really hard to uh, figure out what that means for you durability for me is something completely different than for someone else uh, just in the nature of how i use equipment and gear and clothing and 
is it worth having something that's ultra lightweight versus something that's a little bit heavier? If we're talking about a bike, for example, uh, ultra lightweight something versus something heavier or more old school doesn't need to be heavier, but more old school because you like to do the maintenance. If you don't like to do the maintenance, you're out on a day trip and things like that. Everything's controlled. Maybe that it doesn't matter. Maybe you're the one that hands off the bike anyway. And then this is a non-issue. Right. If you hand away everything yeah. and you don't like to tinker it yourself, it's a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. Some people don't. don't. It's No, it's not part of their sort of uh, their reason for being outside. It's like the tools are just there just to facilitate mm. being outside. And that's totally fair enough. I mean, mm. but I think the skis and the bike are a really good comparison. And they're very similar in a lot of ways. That, like, if you think about it, because both of them require, like, they will essentially get you much, much, much farther out than if you were just on your own two legs. But if it fails, you're going to have to come up with a solution there and then because you have to either turn back, which is almost like for anybody who's walked in northern Sweden or in, you know, in subarctic or in the Arctic and you try and walk even an inch off the off the, the trail, you will just you will see how literally impossible it is without the use of skis or snowshoes or something like that. And likewise, if you're on a bicycle and you're in the middle of nowhere, 60 kilometers from home, you're not walking, you know, you're fixing that tire or you're, you're going <laughs> to, so I think both of those tools require you to, to find a solution on the spot that doesn't require you to, uh, bring it to that. You can't bring it to a shop or you can't bring it to a specialist or something. You have to find a solution there and then. Um, so like you said, with the shoes, with the snowshoes or with the bike, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, super gluing something or like, you know, if you've got a flat, maybe you, hopefully you carry a spare kind of tube with you, inner tube or something like that, or if a few spare spokes and things like that, but you also have to understand how to, how to replace those things. Um, and that's, that, that can be infinitely more, more rewarding as well. Like I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of an, uh, Actually, just um, last weekend when I was out cycling with uh, with Andre, arguably I suppose the most advanced piece of kit I had with me, apart from the bicycle, which it's that's actually a fairly simple setup, but um, the most advanced piece of kit I had with me that weekend was my Grail filter. Right. I mean, there's no way in hell that any of us are repairing a a, a water filtration system. They are extremely complicated pieces of kit. Um, and what happened was it froze. And as everybody knows, once a water filter freezes, um, well, first of all, you can't use it there and then because the, the water can't pass through it. But even then when it melts, the filter is ruined basically because it's, it's expanded the pores from the ice and then it, became, it basically becomes useless. Um, so I had no water filtration system with me that weekend. And my solution was to turn to an extremely analog solution, which was to boil water. Now, Granted, I used my gas, uh, you know, my gas burner, but it it involved me understanding that, okay, the gas is cold. It needs to go up my shirt to warm it. I need to get my little burner out. I need to collect water in my pot and boil it, get it to a rolling boil, and now it's safe to drink. So that I, I came up with an analog solution for a very scientifically kind of complicated problem um, where ultimately that piece of technology, although it's brilliant to have, it failed on me and I had no ways of fixing it. So I, I'm not going to use the grail for the winter now. I've, I'm thinking about other ways that I can purify my water right. for the coming season. You know? I mean, I guess, I guess this, this sort of goes into a little bit of 
course who you are as a person and what you prefer and what you like but if we look at from from my from my perspective of what i would be looking mm-hmm. at is um is it a, is it a multi-day trip slash expedition or whatever you want to call it or is it just a day trip mm-hmm. right, right. of course i of course. you're going to hear arguments that a day trip can turn into the biggest survival situation that you're going <laughs> right. to be in and, and th- these things like but i mean exactly um, Within within reason, let's say that, like within reason, if we use the skiing, for example, mm-hmm. um, and you take a polka behind, you might not take necessarily a repair kit if you're going to walk around, if you're going to ski down to the local lake and do ice fishing. And you might take something that's a little bit radier or a little bit, you know, more, if it breaks down, it breaks down kind of thing, and you might not be able to fix it. While if you're going out on a five-day, ten-day trip, you have to have a different mindset. So the same thing goes with like equipment that you buy and things like that. Like, what do you see yourself doing with this? Because there is a mm-hmm. tendency, uh, as you see uh, in in people's videos of, and I, I like I said, I fully understand that a one-day trip can turn into the worst sur- survival situation in history of of the world and on the planet and and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the world is ending kind of thing but at the, at the at the same time like it's okay to go out with just some basic things without it being a big deal like you don't have to have a full blown three-day kit in your backpack if you're going out picking berries or going out fishing lo- in the local little lake so there's i guess, I guess for in, in my head there's a little mm-hmm. bit of like when it comes to choosing if we you use the bike as, a, as an example what you see yourself doing is it multi-day trips far out where you might be faced with like at you know i've been riding for three days in this direction and i have three days back home on a functioning bike or i have five days to my next location right then it's like all right then you need to have a different sort of approach to what kit you're gonna get and kit you're gonna bring versus i need a bike to take me from a to B at work mm-hmm. on a daily basis where I have infrastructure around me. I, I remember when I was buying my bicycle and making trying to make a decision as to what direction to go, because I was looking at quite a modern, you know, like the Canyon stuff, which is extremely, you know, innovative in its sort of technologically speaking, it's built like carbon fiber framing, internal tubes or internal cabling and all that stuff. But time and time again, the advice I was getting from most people who were experienced cyclists was, Go for a steel frame, you know, old school cabling, you know, if something goes wrong with an old school steel frame, you can bring it to a local welder and they can fix it for you. If you've got an aluminium frame or a carbon fiber frame or something, and the chances of you finding someone who can fix that if you're on a trip or whatever is next to impossible. Um, So even when you're thinking about your purchases for a trip like that, like you're saying, uh okay let's say it wasn't cycling let's say it was hiking do you want to be relying on the most advanced sort of you know uh whatever blue light pen to sterilize your water what if that breaks do you have a plan b do you know how to fix that piece of equipment and if not do you have an alternative source of purifying your water for example um yeah i I guess this is a little bit of the sort of uh what you read in, in for, sam- for example, Moore Koshansky's book about, you know, doing more with less, the more you know, the right. less you carry exactly. kind of exactly. um, 
mentality that you can apply to other outdoor genres or outdoor activities that you're doing while you know you might have to carry a lot more if you have a now we're now we're now it sounds like we're bashing a lot of modern things which this is definitely not about that at all it's more about uh uh putting it in putting technological advancement into perspective of being in the outdoors and also the joy of and satisfaction of fixing something yourself it sort of ties into looking at these things from this aspect ties into the sort of uh, more bushcraft mentality if you will of looking at the world and being outside yeah definitely and i don't think we're bashing modern technology but what i think what i'm saying is that i do believe that that's one of the reasons why people like you and i do appreciate sort of the more sort of maybe uh, analog bushcraft side of the outdoors as opposed to the because when i mean when, when i got into the outdoors or i started sort of getting more interested in being outside and stuff the elements that really drew me in were not the advanced trekking poles and the Gore-Tex jackets and the sort of anything, the ultralight tarps. It was the, it was the canvas. It was the, you know, the wood, it was the steel. It was the, the really sort of simple and somewhat primitive materials that uh, were attractive to me. And, you know, another, a, one of the, I suppose, advantages of that is that now I, because they're not really complicated, materials um i have a really intimate understanding well not intimate understanding but of quite a i would say a, a, a better than an average person's understanding of let's say wood or how cotton works or how you know steel works or how it's made um so i think that side of the of the the outdoors and bushcraft is definitely something that I, I was drawn to. The the um, so sometimes I feel like it's it's a little bit overdone with talking about the old school gear and things like that because old school gear can also fail. Yeah, I guess the the for me at least the more important part is uh, do I have the stuff I need to repair this, mm-hmm. and what is the sort of benefit over this. If we're t- looking at modern versus old school gear and clothing and things like that, and or material choices in clothing, which is more likely to break? What is the pros and cons over this over this rather than it only being like old school is always better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is not it's not it's not always no, true. No, it's, it's more what are you able to fix and what are you able to within a reasonable amount of repair kit gear that you can carry to fix that right, thing. Right, exactly. And what are the steps that have to go through? And also it can be quite expensive to re- repair modern things. It, it can be, but it can also be, it, it can also be like if you look at, I don't have a really good example in my head now. I had one earlier. Um, um, we, we, we just use as, as a rough, ex, rough example, like there are some things that is so extremely quick to fix on a modern machine for example versus an old school machine it's extremely easy to fix x y and c versus on an older machine where you have to sort of not necessarily tear down plastic because everything is more accessible but it's just a bigger job to get it done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I can imagine that there's also like i'm thinking about the snowmobiles for example like that really mechanical the sort of the two-stroke engine uh 
yeah, it's easy to fix if you understand how to do it. But I think also the advantage of the modern ones, like you said, is a lot of the parts are like replaceable, like almost screw, like remove a screw or, you know, screw in sort of parts. Um, so the sort of the setup is a little bit more like modular, maybe, or easier to re- to, 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 to swap out kind of parts. The snowmobile is a good example, like a, a uh, V-belt. So the belt that is sort of... Um, driving the engine for for lack of a better term is super super easy to change on a modern machine because you have a little tool that you can screw in that separates the disc a little bit and that's a lot easier to get it in versus on a old school machine you sort of have to pull it and pry it in yeah yeah so you're relying more on sort of like just yeah, especially in in the in the in the temperatures that you're dealing with when you're trying to replace a belt on a on a snowmobile it's not ideal to be having to take your gloves off and to be sort of like manually sort of like prying this thing up you know like i mean i've seen it done a couple of times when i when i lived up there uh, a couple of tr- uh, belts had to be changed on the snowmobiles and i i remember how easy it was on the modern one versus the old two stroke that i was on yeah um Another quick example I will give before we kind of leave it there is um, is photography as well because my my camera failed on me last winter, my modern digital camera, which required me to contact my insurance company, send it off, and it was because it was so cold up in 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 Lapland that it basically destroyed the mechanical or the sort of the electronics. Um, now the argument could be made that maybe it was old, you know, the the ceiling on the old button, the buttons was old and probably needed to be changed anyway. But if that was an analog camera, which I have a lot of understanding of myself, I know that that maybe the at the, at most maybe the 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 blades on the exposure or on the aperture uh, ring sort of might have frozen or something like that. But once it thawed out, it would have been absolutely fine. Um, but like I shoot analog film and analog cameras and like that was actually how I started getting into photography and like, but learning like how to load a roll of, like, I suppose this comes back to like you were saying, it's a, it's similar. It's not really a repair, but it's more like understanding the mechanical nature of the tool and how, how it kind of works. So like loading a roll of film, you know, composing a photograph, taking your time to do that and understanding the mechanical functions of a, of a camera, how shutter speed works, how aperture works, how, you know, light sensitivity works, how the springs work in, in the, in the shutter, you know, all of these things. And then on top of that, then like the mechanical or sorry, the, the chemical process involved in like darkroom photography, for example, which also kind of had a part in, in, in college. And so at every point within making a photograph you're intimately on like understanding and fundamentally involved in the process now i'm not saying that when we're outdoors that we need to be so connected to that and understanding of that sort of the process involved in our tools but i think it i think it enriches our lives um to to have those things as well Mm -hmm. i uh definitely agree with that it there's something so satisfying and makes you feel good when you do repair something and give life to something that otherwise would have been maybe just tossed away. No, exactly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But hey, let's leave it at that because we're up to the half hour mark here. Um, but yeah, so considering this is the last episode before, let's say, let's say spring, if not summer, um, 
I want to thank everybody up to this point for having listened to our ramblings. <laughs> it's been a it's been a blast. Yeah. Um, and as I said, we will continue to produce content over at Patreon. So follow us over there if you're interested. But until next time, Irmia said, "Would you like to? Would you like to give any sort of parting?" Uh... Be outside. <laughs> don't buy stuff you don't need. <laughs> Moral of the story. I like it. Yeah. Like it. Moral of every story. Yes. Put money towards trips and uh, train tickets or whatever you need to get outside, um, and. Uh, Focus on that. Amazing. Couldn't agree more. All right. Let's leave. It'll make your Instagram look a lot cooler. It will make your Instagram look a lot cooler. Yeah. So there's added benefits to that social cloud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy your winter and your spring. And yeah. Talk to you soon. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye bye.